Greetings, gente puente! In today's episode, Corin Ruiz shares his tips and strategies that have led to his success in involving Hispanic communities in the stewardship efforts of many parishes and dioceses. You can find a summary of today's show and all the resources mentioned at pattycc.com slash 27. As long as we keep our efforts into educating the Latino community and inspiring them to become part of the mission of the church and, and trying to get them to understand what God wants to do through their lives and their gifts, but most importantly, to really give people uh, a different perspective to their lives and find true meaning to the call to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Si prefieres español, puedes encontrar un resumen en español de la entrevista sobre la corresponsabilidad con la comunidad hispana y vínculos a todos los recursos mencionados en paticc.com diagonal s27. I'm Patty Gutierrez from Patty's Catholic Corner. Our team serves Catholic ministers like you who want to connect with the Hispanic community. We make your ministry easier by sharing best practices, resources, and encouragement through this Gente Puente podcast and our Facebook group. And we help you focus on your ministry through our Catholic translation services. Get a quote today at pattycc.com services. In this episode, I interview Corin Ruiz, who has a consulting agency to help parishes and dioceses with their stewardship efforts, especially as it relates to involving their Hispanic Latino communities. In this interview, he gives a quick overview of the U.S. Bishop's teaching about stewardship, and then he shares the strategies that he uses in his Stewardship Enhancement Initiative to provide formation and training for Hispanic leaders in a parish, which eventually leads to a parish-wide Stewardship Month. As you'll hear, his strategy is not all about money. It's about a long-term conversion of heart helping all of us recognize how our mission is connected to the church's mission. As the Hispanic community continues to grow and become the majority in the Catholic Church, this is an essential piece of any ministry with and for Hispanics, so we can all continue to build up the body of Christ. Now let's listen to my interview with Corin. Corin, welcome to the Gente Puente podcast. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Patty. Sure. I'm going to start us off with a little prayer. Great. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we come before you so grateful for the many blessings that you've given us, especially for the gift of serving in your church. We know that we are not perfect, and so we thank you for your mercy and for choosing to work through our broken humanity. Lord Jesus, you prayed that we would be one as you and the Father are one. Pour out your Spirit as we strive to be gente puente, uniting the body of Christ. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in us the fire of your love. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Corin, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. I know that you're very busy. For those who don't know about you, could you share a little bit about yourself, your background, your ministry? Sure. Um, and again, thank you so much for having me here. 
Uh, my name is Corin Ruiz. Uh, I am um, married. I have two children, two boys. Yeah, their names are Axel and Levin. I am originally from Sinaloa, Mexico. Uh, I, I am an immigrant. I came to this country about 20 years ago. And I'm currently uh, the president and founder of a consulting firm called Corresponsables de Dios. I've been involved uh, in youth ministry and Hispanic ministry for about 20 years, um, doing uh, music ministry as well. I am a choir director at Ascension Parish in Portland, Oregon, a published composer and artist for Oregon Catholic Press. And for the past 12 years, I've been involved in a ministry that was very new to me uh, 12 years ago, and that is uh, working with parishes, uh, implementing stewardship, uh, specifically with the Latino community. Uh, spent about seven years working for a consulting firm at a national level. And about four years ago, I started my own consulting firm, implementing stewardship with the Latino community in the Catholic Church. Wow, thank you. Did you say the name of your wife? How long have you been married? Uh, my wife's name is Jessica, and we've been married for 11 years. And uh, as I mentioned, we have two two boys, and uh, one of the one of the great things about uh, about our marriage and our lives is that we have the blessing of uh, having the opportunity to minister together. We do music ministry together. We direct choirs together, and so um, that is that is a that is a very amazing thing that that we share, and we are blessed with that. That's beautiful. We'll be sure to link to some of your uh, videos and songs so that people can hear you. Now, today, though, instead of singing, you're here to talk to us about stewardship with the Hispanic community specifically. Before we get into the details of your projects and how you um, how you carry those out, can we talk about the basics of stewardship. So we're all on the same page. What does that mean when the U.S. bishops say stewardship, and why is it so important for our church? Well, there's uh, there's a lot of a lot of things that are um, that are involved in in the whole concept. But uh, the way I understand it from the bishops' letter uh, that's called "A Disciple's Response" that was written by them in 1992 is basically. Uh, understanding two basic ideas or two very important ideas. Uh, first one is to understand that God is the giver and owner of everything that we have, which means that if God is the owner and giver of everything, then that means that we own uh, nothing. And so the, the first invitation that the bishops uh, extend to us is understanding that we we don't own anything and that everything that exists belongs to him. And so we need to understand that we are actually only stewards or people that are trusted with all of the blessings that we have. And that takes us into the second idea uh, that basically states that as stewards of all the blessings that we have, God has a plan for us and that we are called to discern and to try to discover what God wants to do in our lives to fulfill his plan. So that is basically the two main ideas that are introduced at the very beginning. 
And then uh, the bishops talk about the characteristics of a good steward um, that basically invites us to receive our gifts in a grateful way, uh, to cultivate them in a responsible manner, to share them with uh, others in love and justice, and finally to give them back to God or to return them back to God with increase. Uh, this is a document of you know over 70 pages that basically gives us great information about this important concept. And as you were asking me, why do they think it's important or why do I think is is essential for our churches? Because it has the power to inspire us and to guide us into becoming the disciples that God wants from each of us in understanding that if we are good stewards of our gifts and we share them in love and justice with him, with others, and with the church, we can maintain the mission of the church in a more sustainable manner. Thank you. When I think about stewardship with Hispanic specifically, or when you work with Hispanic specifically, how would you say that the concept of stewardship is different? Or how do we, as Anglo-Catholics, address stewardship with a Hispanic community? Where are they coming from? Or what perspectives might they be bringing if they're first generation or second or third generation in our parishes or in our dioceses? Well, stewardship is is something that has been around in the American church for for many years, and and um, I am fascinated every time I go to uh, let's say English mass where there's you know Anglo communities or or second or third generation people that have been around the church and have grown up with the American practices as you know making pledges every year using envelopes uh, giving in a plan in proportionate manner is. It's just simply in in their in their bones or in their in 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 their in, in their daily or weekly practices. Uh, you know, uh, obviously everybody needs work, but when you go into a Spanish mass with mostly uh, immigrants or first generation uh, uh, American or Mexican Americans or or Latin Americans. You you can definitely see that um, there's really no formation, no understanding. Uh, Thirteen years ago, when they hired me to start doing translations from English into Spanish, you know, for with some documents of stewardship, one of the first challenges I had was uh, to find the actual word to <laughs> translate into Spanish. Right. And and it was because there literally it doesn't necessarily translate or there's no word in Spanish to to translate the word stewardship. And so when I went to the letter, I was directed to the letter of the bishops, the in the official translation, they actually found the word corresponsabilidad, which is basically a shared responsibility or core that we are co-responsibles of the mission of the church. Mm-hmm. And so um there are a lot of a lot of um, a lot of work to be done uh, that I that I can see with with uh, with first generation or people that are immigrant here because they don't they don't know the concept they don't understand they don't even know the word that the bishops use 
So we actually have to go all the way back to the basics to explaining what stewardship is, the basic concepts, and uh, even simple practices like um, registering at your own parish, uh, why you make a pledge for capital campaigns or anything like that, um, or basically... Uh, just working, uh, working in in a capital project as part of of the um, uh, as as an active part of the community. There's really no um, no history on on that. So it, the challenge or the or the calling is basically to introduce it from the very basic idea of understanding stewardship and then moving on to uh, implementing or introducing the basic practices. Mm -hmm. Well, let's dive into the specifics and the practical points of that. How have you in your experience with your consulting agency and maybe before in the other agencies you've worked for, how do you accomplish that? How do you convince or involve more Hispanics into this stewardship drives or campaigns that are going on in their parishes and dioceses? Well, basically, one of the main things we do is uh, we do conferences, we do workshops, obviously, but one of the things that we've been uh, implementing for the past four years in in different dioceses is something we call a stewardship enhancement initiative. And uh, what a stewardship enhancement initiative is basically a process that we don't that we do at the parish level, usually in collaboration with a diocese. Mm-hmm. And it's basically a five to six month process of formation and training for the pastor and members of all ministries at the parish that leads into something that we call a stewardship month, which is basically presenting to the whole parish community what stewardship is, how we can be better stewards of our parishes uh, by beginning a practice of uh, of a culture of stewardship renewal commitment once a year by filling out a pledge. In other words, we basically work with all members of all ministries and with the clergy uh, to provide formation on stewardship and training so that they learn how to inform, how to inspire, and how to commit their communities into a culture of parish stewardship renewal. Mm-hmm. Do you do that during the masses when you move to educating the entire parish? you do that during masses or when or how? Yes and yes, but that's actually part of the last uh, phase of the of the actual process. We we do a process for about five to six months, and the first four to five months are actually training and formation for all members of all ministries, where we come and we talk about it. And that is outside of mass that we actually uh, select a date, uh, an evening where we. Uh, talk about stewardship, what it is, provide formation, provide training, give them responsibilities, formulate an actual plan that we that we have. And then during the last month of the six months, that's when everything is presented for the community, for the whole community. And in different weekends, we take one weekend, let's say, to provide information about what we're trying to do, provide awareness. Then we use a couple of weekends to provide uh, some inspiration. Uh, there are usually testimonies, homilies around the concept of stewardship. Uh, and then 
we get to what we call a commitment weekend in which people receive an invitation to prayerfully consider renewing their commitment of time, talent, and treasure with their parish community. Mm-hmm. So during the four or five month process that you're training the leaders, what is the material that you're using there? Is it based on the pastoral letter or did you develop something yourself? Or what do you talk about with the leaders to help them understand the concept of stewardship and prepare to, to train the rest of the parish? In terms of the methodology that we use, it is uh, it is uh, most of it based on the pastoral letter from the bishops. Uh, concepts like the two main ideas I was mentioning earlier, like the four characteristics of a good steward and the mm-hmm. and different things that the bishops suggest uh, that we need to consider when sharing our gifts. Like we need to do it in a planned way, in a proportionate way in a sacrificial way, and in a prayerful way. Uh, But the whole model is just something that we've been creating for several years, and it's basically a model that uh, includes a plan to involve all of the members of the different ministries into different teams that have specific responsibilities. For instance, uh, some people help us with prayer in in intercession throughout the whole process. Some other people help us making the announcements. Some other people help us involving the youth and the children in the initiative. Some other people help us, you know, organize an event that we do with with the community. In other words, we basically involved both the pastor and all of the lay leaders into a whole plan. And at and during these sessions, fifty uh, percent of the time is usually providing with formi- formation, with uh, stories, with testimonies that are relatable to their culture, so that they understand the concept and reflect about what God wants to do through their lives in their parish and in their ministry. And then the other fifty percent of the time is typically providing them with training about the responsibilities that I mentioned. Uh, specifically uh, directed to what team or what commission they are going to have when we get to the public phase of the program in which everything is presented to the community, uh, the parish community during the masses on that last month. Mm -hmm. Is this entire effort that you're describing of the five months process all directed towards Hispanic leaders or is it something that's parish-wide? Uh, typically, typically, uh, parishes, uh, want to do the whole stewardship month with everyone in the parish. Uh, and, uh, basically when, whenever there's information or inspiration or commitment weekend, a lot of parishes actually do it with all the masses if they have, English, Vietnamese, and then Spanish, you know, they do it at all three masses, some kind of different effort. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first four or five months, which are the formation piece of the whole thing, uh, 90% of the time that we are uh, hired to do work with any parish or any diocese, we are specifically working with Hispanic ministers and, and leaders uh, because the approach and the level of understanding the concept is very different than uh, other ethnicities. Oh, okay. 
Is there something specific that you would say is different in the way that you approach, for example, once you move into the weekends of stewardship month and you're working towards forming and educating the entire parish, things that you do differently at the English masses versus the Spanish masses or the masses where there are more Hispanics present? How do you uh, approach that differently with each group? Well, the the way of presenting uh, is is very different. I've done many capital campaigns with bilingual communities, for instance, and and uh, and and I usually like to work with you know the English speaking group separately than the Spanish speaking group, not because I want to divide the two communities, but because the approach is different. Now speaking about approach, uh, because there's a level of understanding to the idea of registering at the parish, about why we make a pledge, about giving in a proportionate manner, things like that with the English speaking community is is more more of a given concept. You don't have to necessarily motivate uh, so much or explain so much um, what what why we're doing what we're doing. With the Spanish-speaking community, because it's, it's a new concept, even registering or, or filling out a pledge card or planning or looking at how much, you know, you should be giving if you want to do it in a proportionate manner. That's what takes a little bit longer because it's, it's, because it's something very new. You need to take the time to explain it in a way that makes sense. And also, the approach always needs to be uh, using examples from our culture, using examples from, you know, our countries of origin uh, that are relatable to the culture, and most importantly, that are uh, coming from a spiritual perspective. Uh, as Latinos, are very, are very, very spiritual uh, community, and not saying that other groups are not, but. But basically, if anything is going to have the power to change a mindset or something we've been carrying out from generation to generation, it definitely needs to come from something spiritual and and trying to discover and discern what God wants to do in our lives. That's what basically gives us the ability to invite people to prayerfully consider getting involved in, in a stewardship project with the Latino community. Mm-hmm. Thank you. When you say you want to provide examples and stories that connect with them culturally, with Hispanics culturally, what it what would be an example, or maybe a short story, or an example that you could explain here to share sure. something that you would share with the Hispanic community? Sure, something um, very uh, common that I share with with communities is. Let's say that uh, when I was growing up in Sinaloa, my mom used to take us to church. And I always tell people uh, that whenever we went, my mom, like, you know, all the whole way to church, my mom was just lecturing us about how we needed to be good in church and how we needed to respect God's God's house and, and all these things. So we knew we had to be good inside. We also knew that during this during the th- that if we were good during mass at the end there were going to be vendors that were going to be selling all kinds of you know fruit and snacks and different things so if we were good she was actually going to buy us something mm. 
we also knew that during the celebration, we had to be in, at our best behavior. But somewhere in the middle of the celebration, there was a little basket that was going around where people were you know, putting money every week. We didn't know why. We just knew that it was part of the whole celebration. And mm-hmm. we knew that my mom, um, you know, kept her money in two different uh, sections of her purse. One was called the monedero, which is where she was just a little, little, uh, a little bag where she would put the, all the coins. And mm-hmm. then uh, another one was, uh, you know, where she had a little zipper that was kind of hidden inside her purse. And, you know, among all the a thousand things that old women, you know, carry in their bags. <laughs> Uh, and so whenever the, the, the basket, the collection basket was going around, she will take out the little bag with the coins and she will give one peso to me and one peso to each of my other three sisters. And we knew that we were supposed to, you know, put it there. And that was part of the whole celebration, the whole ritual. At the end of the mass, if we felt we were actually good enough uh, with our behavior, we will just run outside and we will just basically... Uh, go to a stand and and ask for something and when we get all that stuff my mom will walk and say she will ask you know that person how much was it and the person Mm -hmm. will say yo it was this much and so my mom will actually reach to that little you know zipper inside where the big bills were and she will pay for the stuff that she bought us so things like that um makes me think makes me look back and and think that and realize that my mom was actually spending more money outside of the church than mm-hmm. what we were actually offering inside to give thanks for all the blessings that we had that week or that we had in our lives. And uh, I've never really judged my mom. I've never really uh, asked her personally, because, but, uh, but I'm sure that if I were to ask her, you know, why were you doing that? Why were you giving more money or spending more money buying us candy or buying us different things outside of church than what you were spending inside of, uh, of the church to give thanks. I'm pretty sure she will say that that's because her mom used to do the same thing. And if mm-hmm. I were to ask my grandma, she would pretty much say, because my mom used to do the same thing. And so it's basically not the idea that we don't want to give. It's not the idea that we can't give. It's basically the idea that we've never really had formation on how to actually take the time to see how we can give in a, in a more planned, in a more proportionate way. We grow up in Mexico or we grow up in our Latin American countries with the idea that the church is rich, that is there to help us instead of us helping them. And we don't necessarily realize that it takes a lot for to keep the church up and, and providing all of those and that we are part of that big family that we need to also contribute and help out in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. We'll hear the rest of my interview with Corin in just a moment, but I wanted to take a minute to share with you the main service that my company, Patty's Catholic Corner, provides, which is Catholic Translation Services. Making sure that your ministry material is accessible to Spanish-speaking Catholics is a big part of making sure the Hispanic community feel welcome and that they belong in your parish or diocese. 
but it can be a challenge to find translators who understand your Catholic message and will use the correct terms for your materials. That's why I've decided to put my years of experience in Hispanic ministry to work for you. And I have built a team of translators who also have ministry experience, so you can focus on your ministry and know that your translations will be done right the first time. If that's something you're looking for, I encourage you to visit us at pattycc.com services to get a quote for your next project. Now, let's get back to my interview with Corinne. I don't know if I gave you a chance to explain the entire process. I think you were going to lay out uh, the Stewardship Enhancement Initiative. What are the different pieces of that and how? what's the timeline like? Uh, the timeline, uh, we've been doing these, these stewardship enhancement initiatives with the Archdiocese of Seattle, Portland, and Orange County uh, right now, where it's basically a process from June to November, uh, where we begin, uh, like I said, providing formation and training to members of all ministries. So once a month, I meet with members of all ministries. And I have a specific uh, purpose and specific methodology and specific training to do at every single one of those six sessions because it's six months. And it's basically uh, working with them, assigning them responsibilities, providing them with manuals that gives them a specific responsibilities for what they're going to be doing, their homework, uh, prayer journals so that they can actually stay in prayer until we meet the, the fa- at the following session. And then when we get to session five, everybody is in the parish or in the leadership team is supposed to be ready to present the initiative to everybody else. There's people, uh, like I said, that helps us with, uh, with prayer. There's other people. We have printed materials. We have a video that's made uh, for the parish. Uh, with the pastor speaking and people from the community. And so we have a whole communications uh, uh, strategy that will allow us to make sure that people understand what we're trying to do. And then we had late testimonies and activities with children and you to inspire everybody to understand their call to be good stewards of God's gifts. And then everything kind of culminates with the idea or the invitation to renew the commitment to the parish of time, talent, and and treasure to be able to um, make it a culture so that the next time in the fall, again, that they actually do a stewardship month and they renew their commitments uh, to the parish of time, talent, and treasure. Thank you. That's really great. How would you say the program has met its goals. Do you feel like the long-term, short-term goals have been met and how, and what have you learned along the way that you've been able to improve over time? Well, um, like I said, we've been doing this for, for four years uh, with several dioceses and, and multiple parishes in each of those dioceses. So we have been breaking ground in so many ways in our programs and collaborations uh, and I've been blessed with a model that I was mentioning, an approach that uh, has been very well received by the people we encounter. Uh, one, because it's culturally appropriate, meaning that it's not a translated version of an American model, mm-hmm. like many other programs or processes out there. 
also because we talk about stewardship as the response that we're called to give as a true disciples of Jesus Christ, which, which means that everything begins from a spiritual perspective. Mm-hmm. People may give money or participate or time to a specific need at the parish, for instance, but they actually become involved and share their whole beings, uh, not just money or time, when they become part of the mission of the church, especially when their own life mission feels connected to the mission of their parish. So our approach consists of conveying that idea to people in a culturally and spiritually appropriate manner, and that is how we, we've been successful. Uh, the challenge will always be that we're talking about a life conversion and about changing patterns and behaviors that, you know, uh, culturally speaking, we have been carrying for so many generations. So, mm-hmm. like I said, we've been successful in introducing the concept and it has been very well received, but there's still much work to be done. And one program is not going to be able to change everything in the church. We really need support from the church leaders, from bishops, to give stewardship the importance that it deserves so that our mission can be sustainable and and the support comes you know from from the leaders of the church yeah so you said that the most successful situations is when the hispanic community can feel that their mission is connected to the mission of the parish to me that sounds like this is a much broader objective than just a six-month training specifically about stewardship but that maybe there's some kind of prep work or background work that is required in a parish before reaching that step? Would you say that there's there are things that parishes need to do to foster that shared mission even before starting a stewardship campaign? Uh, I I would say everything that the parish is doing is 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 great because you know they're carrying out the mission they're evangelizing they're doing you know they're forming our kids they're they're providing all kinds of ministries and services uh i i would i i would think that the that the biggest thing that that we bring to parishes and that parishes can do even before we get there is try to work in 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 a sen- in the sense of belonging or the sense of identity mm-hmm. uh, especially for immigrants um, I remember when I came 20 years ago, I was only coming for one year to learn how to speak English. And then I had plans to go back and, and begin, you know, my college education back in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And so I started going to this parish. And after one year, I didn't register. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't get registered, one, because, you know, we don't do that in Mexico. And two, because I knew I was just going to leave. Yeah. Uh, but then I decided to you know, uh, stay here and go to college here. And I knew I was going to stay another four years. I was already the youth uh, minister and I was already the youth uh, choir coordinator. And (laughs) I didn't even register because I knew that after my four years, I was actually going to go back and that was going to be the end of it. Mm -hmm. And so um, I had been at that parish for 10 years and I hadn't done that. I hadn't registered. And, and it's basically the same situation for so many immigrants, for so many Latinos here in the U.S. Uh, it's it's not so much about the idea of signing on a paper and registering. It's so much the idea that we don't necessarily uh, feel 
like we belong like the parishes are mm-hmm. our homes that, that that we belong to a to that specific parish community and so uh and so why would you be worried about sharing your time talent and treasure in a community where you kind of feel like a visitor like you're just here for a little while and then you're going to leave right exactly exactly yeah. so so i i think that that plays a, a big portion and and one that's one of the biggest things that we try to do uh with our programs our programs are not necessarily the salvation or something that's going to change everything forever but it it is a great starting point is an injection of motivation formation and also specific uh suggestions recommendations and strategies that people or that parishes can use to continue developing this culture of implementing stewardship as a way of life in the community Mm -hmm. well we will certainly put your contact information so that if a parish wants to invite you in to do that kind of consulting work, they'll be able to do that. But what about, what would be your advice for a minister that might be listening that wants to begin a similar process in their area? What would you say to them? Well, implementing stewardship with the Latino community is, is actually, it's, it's quite a bit of challenge. I, I personally don't know, uh, any firms that are doing it uh, with the intention of actually making it um, a, a more lasting solution. So if anybody's thinking, even a pastor who's actually thinking about introducing this in a successful way or in a in a in a, an effective way, uh, I will say number one is coming in with no assumptions. Do not assume that the Latino community is going to change the way they give just because we tell them the same way that you tell your English-speaking community. Mm-hmm. Do not assume that they understand stewardship or that they know how to use envelopes or all those practices because they, they, they don't. You have to explain but you explain how to do it, but, but before that, why we actually do it. Uh, mm-hmm. Do not assume that they don't want to give. And do not assume that they are poor and they can't give. Is the invitation is for everyone. Um, number two, and you're probably going to back me up on this. Do not simply <laughs> translate, transcreate. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of a lot of people, a lot of consulting firms, a lot of parishes that simply, literally trans- translate materials. And so um, the idea here is that we want the same message with the same impact to touch a different community. And if you simply translate, sometimes that message doesn't have the same strength. So don't translate, transcreate. Mm-hmm. Number three, uh, don't forget about using an appropriate spiritual and cultural approach when talking to the Latino community. The same stories, the same examples, the same uh, the same things that you use in English. Again, uh, they don't they don't always go exactly the same way. So you gotta look for ways and examples, testimonies that are relatable to the culture. And finally, number four, uh, make sure you have a clear plan. If you're going to involve all members of the ministers and you're going to actually do. Uh, an initiative at, at your parish where you're going to be able to make an invitation, 
make sure you do the invitation in the right way and at the right time. And most importantly, that it, you have a process where you provided formation and education about what you're doing and why you're doing it before you even make any pledge or any invitation. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Anything else that you wanted to share with us about this ministry and stewardship in general? Well, in general, I would probably say that uh, uh, it, it's it's a biggest it's a big blessing. I had no idea about this concept uh, before I I got contacted to do translations about thirteen or fourteen years ago. Uh, but it is definitely the key to a sustainable church. I would say that uh, when it comes to educating Latinos uh, in this concept. Uh, we're about 10 to 15 years late. Uh, right now, we're looking at statistics and we're seeing that the Latino community, uh, the Catholic Latino community is almost half. But if we look at the numbers of youth, uh, we're actually about two-thirds of all Catholics in, in the U.S., which means that we're rapidly going to become the majority. So mm -hmm. if we're actually talking about becoming the majority of Catholics in the U.S. in the next 10 years, we definitely need to do something to ensure the sustainability of our church. And so I would say that um, it's very important that pastors do it or pastors understand that. It's more important that bishops know it and understand it so that it becomes more of a priority for the things that we're doing as the Catholic Church in the U.S. We recently had the Quinto Encuentro. We, we've, we've been doing or we've been talking about so many different things and how wonderful it is that we are becoming the majority uh, and that we need, we need to evangelize, that we need to do all these things that are extremely important and part of the mission. But we also need to think about how we're going to be able to sustain that mission. And with a community that doesn't have an understanding about what stewardship is, and most importantly, how we can be good stewards of our parish so that they last for a long time, um, we, we really need to take the time, the resources to educate our community. Uh, I would love to say that I wish there were more consulting firms that were serving uh, the Latino community in this specific area. But most importantly, that our bishops and that the Office of Hispanic Affairs at the national level will be doing something at the national scale to be able to make this a priority and start providing more uh, formation tools to be able to ensure our future as the Catholic Church as we become the majority of Catholics in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Corin. We're going to change topics just a little bit. Being that you have led ministries in many different areas, I want to I want you to share with the other ministers that are listening something that you've learned in ministry that you could share with them. The biggest thing about ministry, uh, specifically stewardship, uh, is that it it has impacted my whole life and the way I look at life itself. Because stewardship and ministry and and God itself is is everywhere, 
We are called to be good stewards of our families, uh, good stewards of our material goods, our talents, our parishes, our entire lives. Uh, in other words, we're stewards of everything that we have been trusted with. So in prayer, I, I try to reflect about the different areas of my life, and I try to keep a good balance by trying to be a good steward of my gifts. Um, sometimes I, I tend to travel too much to do stewardship work, but I'm also a father of two boys, a husband, a choir director, a composer, a friend, a brother, a son, <laughs> etc. How many people so, are you? <laughs> yeah. So one thing that has helped me is understanding that I'm, that I'm not perfect and that I can't be in two places at the same time. So I try my best with all my flaws and limitations. Uh, whatever places God, God takes me, understanding that nothing really belongs to me and that I'm a simple steward of God's gifts and blessings with the calling to pray and discern what God wants to go with my life. Mm -hmm. In my experience, it is when we are faithful and willing to follow him that somehow God makes sure that things fall into place. So I would say that being in ministry, specifically doing stewardship uh, and trying to be faithful even though we make mistakes, be faithful and being willing to follow God has brought so many blessings in my lives. And even though we always have rough patches and difficult times, if we continue to have faith and continue to do His will, um, He makes things, you know, okay, mm -hmm. good. So mm -hmm. that is, uh, that is, that is just uh, part of part of what gets me through all the traveling and and all the problems and all the difficulties, you know, in going out there. So, mm -hmm. could you say a few words of encouragement to a minister that's listening that's maybe feeling frustrated or uh, has hit a wall in their ministry? Maybe specifically with stewardship, maybe they've been trying to involve the Hispanic community more and they're not really seeing that change happening. Could you give them some words of encouragement? When it comes to stewardship, uh, uh, a lot of people think of it as a need to raise money, a need to raise offertory, a need to get people to pledge. And that is precisely the worst understanding of stewardship that you can have. Uh, I guess I would explain it with a with a little example I I often share. Uh, I often talk about two types of pastors when working in stewardship. One is the angry pastor. That's why I call it. He's always angry. He doesn't know the Latino community very well, but constantly complains that we do not give or respond in the same ways as other communities. The other type of pastor is the paternalistic one who says we are poor, we're in need, and that we need to send all of our money back to our countries of origins to support our families, and that we cannot give to the church under the same stewardship American practices like envelopes or pledges. 
But I I often ask both of them or both both pastors about uh, when was the last time that they invested time and resources in providing formation to the communities instead of complaining or deciding for them if they can contribute or not. My answer to the matter is always the same. It has nothing to do with raising money. I always say we simply need three very important things in order to develop better stewards of the church today. Number one, formation. Number two, formation. And number three, formation. (laughs) So as long as we keep our efforts into educating the Latino community as to what the best practices are, uh, as long as we focus our efforts in inspiring them to become part of the mission of the church and in trying to get them to understand what God wants to do through their lives and their gifts, I think that we're definitely going to continue finding new ways to improve our stewardship ministries, but most importantly, to really give people uh, a different perspective to their lives and find true meaning to the call to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That reminded me that I forgot to ask you, would you be able to share a specific story of kind of a success where you saw a community grow through the process that as you accompanied them in the area of stewardship? Um, sure. I, I, I don't, I can't think of uh, one in particular because we've been doing, I think we've done over 20 parishes with the Archdiocese of Seattle, about 10 parishes here in Portland, wow. about 15 parishes in Orange County. We did two parishes last year with the Diocese of Yakima, uh, and we're going to do five more this, this, you know, next, starting next month. And we're beginning with the Diocese of Spokane. What I can tell you in general and combination of different parishes that have, I have parishes that have tripled their offertory, uh, if you're looking at that specific part. Uh, but most importantly is at the end of our programs, uh, there's always one person from the parish staff or the pastor itself who comes up to me and say, you know, I thought this was going to be completely different. Mm-hmm. That this was going to be just, you know, about money and trying to put pressure on people. And I was against this and I didn't want, I didn't want to do it, but it was mm-hmm. only because, you know, I was getting pressure from the diocese and it was because of a silly thing calling, call a stewardship enhancement initiative that now I see more lay involvement. I see people with a different view I see people that actually had a conversion and changed their mindset. And I'm surprised to say that I see way more people being open to register, to use envelopes, but most importantly, to find out what the needs of the church are so that they can become uh, part of the mission and always asking how they can help. And to me, that's basically the reason why I continue to travel so much. I continue to leave my family sometimes five, eight, nine, ten days at a time mm-hmm. to go to different states, different dioceses, because uh, 
people are very grateful and people do amazing things with the, they lead they let themselves be guided by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so I consider myself uh, extremely blessed to be in this ministry. Uh, uh, but most importantly, uh, it is a it is a very um, uh, I feel very blessed when I hear all the testimonies. It's a very rewarding ministry. Um, so um, I I hope that uh, that this has been uh, that this is something that can motivate pastors and motivate bishops and motivate other people to start thinking about. Uh, spending the resources and spending the time to do stewardship with their parishes. Mm-hmm. Me too. Thank you very much. Would you mind to close the to close the episode with a prayer for all those who serve the church? Sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we thank you for for another day. We thank you for this moment, for our families, for our friends, for our children, for our parishes, for the leaders of our church. We ask you uh, to inspire us to continue uh, to pray and discern about what you want to do in our lives. We ask you to guide us to give us wisdom, and most importantly, to give us strength to endure all the problems, all the obstacles that we face in our ministries. We pray for the Latino community in the Catholic Church in the U.S. as We become the majority of Catholics in the U.S. so that you guide us. And we pray that we may work together to become a church of good and grateful stewards. And that our church leaders may guide us towards a path that allows us to carry out our mission in a sustainable manner for the end of time. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Corin, for coming and sharing your experience and for all that you do to serve the church in your many ministries. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And it was a pleasure. And thank you for what you're doing. Continue doing it, please. We need more resources like you. God bless you in your ministry and in your work. And God bless you and your family. Thank you. I just loved hearing Corin's perspective on stewardship as it relates to the Hispanic community, and I hope you did too. Here are some takeaways. Number one, a sense of belonging is key. Like what happened to Corin, many immigrants come to the United States with the idea that they'll only be here, or at least in a given place, for a short period of time. They don't feel at home. Even if they show up for Mass at a certain parish on a regular basis doesn't mean they necessarily feel a sense of belonging there. They may not identify as part of the parish. So why would they consider sacrificing time and talent and treasure in a parish they don't really feel a part of? 
One of the joys that I have had in my ministry is being able to see the transformation of the immigrant community in the small parish where I served for 11 years, as they began to feel a sense of belonging and eventually ownership of the parish. My favorite resources about this topic, which I've shared here on the podcast many times, come from the USCCB. One is called Best Practices for Shared Parishes, so that they may all be one. And the other is the guide and training called Building Intercultural Competence for Ministers, which is the basis for the ebook I wrote about how cultural differences can affect ministry. Both of these resources outline the natural progression that a new cultural group will move through in a parish, from identity to belonging to ownership. They explain the milestones of each stage and what a parish can work on in each stage. You can find links to these resources and my ebook and my blog series in the show notes page at pattycc.com slash 27. Number two, there needs to be a spiritual foundation for any discussion of stewardship. It's about a change of heart that only God can orchestrate, but we can be His instruments. Like Corin said, this shift in perspective can really change people's lives and the way they view themselves and their life's mission. But it takes time to help people understand the foundation of God as the giver and owner of everything and our role as faithful stewards. Number three. Culturally appropriate formation and training are key elements to successfully involving the Hispanic community in stewardship initiatives. Since there are patterns and behaviors that have carried on for generations, it's going to take some time to introduce the main concepts of stewardship that Corin summarized from the bishop's pastoral letter. You can find links to the pastoral letter and Corin's outline for the stages of his Stewardship Enhancement Initiative in the show notes at pattycc.com slash 27. Number four, involve others. One thing that I loved about Corin's approach is that right from the beginning, he involves other people. He starts with forming the leaders in the parish by providing them information, but then training them for the various efforts that they will help lead in the broader parish during the stewardship month. What a great model of pastoral de conjunto. And in this way, he leaves behind a group of formed leaders who can carry on the work and lead the stewardship month each year. Number five, efforts for promoting stewardship need more of our attention especially when it comes to ministry with Hispanic Catholics. As the fastest-growing cultural group in the U.S. Church, I think it's safe to say that the sustainability of the mission of the Church in the United States is closely tied to the level at which Hispanic Catholics identify with the Church, feel that they belong in the Church, and have a sense of ownership in the Church. The message of stewardship has a key role in inspiring each Hispanic Catholic and helping them see how important their role is for the mission of the church. I hope you found the interview inspiring and helpful for your ministry too. Please consider sharing it with another Catholic leader who may be struggling with how to involve the Hispanic community in their parish or diocesan stewardship efforts. Make sure to visit the show notes page so you can find all the great resources we mentioned at pattycc.com slash 27. In the next episode, I will interview musician Rudy Lopez. He has partnered together with other OCP musicians to provide liturgical formation and training for Hispanic pastoral musicians. So he will share what they do, what has been working, and how they can serve your parish or diocese. 
Be sure to let the Hispanic musicians in your area know they don't want to miss it. I would also love to have you come over and join our Gente Puente Facebook group. We are an online community of Catholic ministers who want to encourage one another and share resources that we have found helpful in our ministry. If you come over, look for the Stewardship Learning Unit, where I'll share some extra resources like the simplified stewardship commitment form that I used at St. Michael's, where many of our parishioners cannot read English or Spanish. Come check it out at facebook.com slash group slash Gente Puente today. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to the Gente Puente podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or your favorite podcast app so you don't miss any future episode. Thanks for listening today. May God bless you and your ministry as Gente Puente.